Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of 3D Universe Untethered. I'm Jeremy Simon. It's great to have you back with us. Today is going to be a great episode. Uh, for those of you who have been with us before, you know that this uh, series sort of uh, focuses all around every aspect of digital fabrication and all the cool things people are doing with it. And some of these episodes are kind of like people sharing their stories and they're kind of inspirational and cool things people are doing. This one's going to be a little different. This one is an information-packed episode. We are going to be talking all about 3D printing materials today. So we're going to cover a lot of content, and um, so we'll move at a fairly good pace. But uh, please, as always, ask your questions by posting comments on the Facebook Live page there, and we will bring that into the discussion as we go. And uh, I hope we can cover everything, but as I said, there's a lot of ground to cover here, so we'll do our best. And uh, we'll, we're always happy to answer questions after the fact if we don't get to them by email. As always, you can go to our blog site at 3duniverse.org, and you'll always have a graphic in the upper left corner for 3D Universe Untethered. That'll take you to the page that lists all the episodes and has the recordings and uh, the upcoming episodes and all that good stuff. So uh, check back there from time to time. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. So for today's discussion, I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Dylan George from Ultimaker. Hey, Dylan, how you doing? Hey, and, uh, he's, a, he's a perfect guy for this discussion. Dylan uh, has 15 years of manufacturing experience, over six years working with 3D printing. Much of that time has been spent with both designing parts and tooling, as well as processes around creating the 3D printed components. Dylan's firsthand experience from automotive manufacturing lends itself well to ensuring repeatable processes, analyzing manufacturing line performance, and finding opportunities to improve quality and throughput. So in today's discussion, you know, as we talk a lot about the different materials that people have available to and what you might want to use where, I'm glad we have you for that discussion because you've obviously had a lot of experience, especially in the areas that require higher performance materials. So this will be a great discussion. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of you know me already. I'm Jeremy Simon, as I said. I'm uh, the founder and CEO of 3D Universe. I, I consider myself a 3D printing enthusiast, and I've uh, obviously become pretty familiar with all these materials myself. And so this is going to be a little sort of more of an interactive discussion. I think Dylan and I are both going to be kind of sharing some of our thoughts. I'm going to let you kind of take the lead as we go through each one, and then I'll, I'll, I might kind of offer some, some comments and notes of my own as we go, if that's okay with you. Of course. So let's let's dive into it. I'm going to pull up uh, some slides. We usually don't use slides in these because we do put these out in a podcast form as well for people that prefer to just kind of listen to these. So for those of you listening on audio, we're going to be sure to kind of talk through everything. The slides are just helpful because, again, this is going to be an information-packed episode. So for those of you that are watching the video, it might be helpful for you to be able to follow on, along on screen. But we'll try to be, be clear about everything for those just listening in. So uh, I guess a good place to get started, uh, Dylan, might be to kind of talk a little bit about uh, hardware considerations. There are so many 3D printing materials on the market. And part of the reason I was so excited to do this episode today is because, you know, having, you know, run 3D Universe now for seven years, we, we have so many customers coming through and buying our materials. And we see a strong uh, trend still to this day towards PLA and now more tough PLA these days, but it's still a lot of people kind of sticking with those basics. And there's so many cool, wonderful materials out there. So I hope that we can kind of encourage people today to sort of have the courage to sort of explore some of these other materials that are available. But to do that, yep. there, are, there are some hardware considerations, right? So, so talk us through some of the things that you want to think about, some of the things that will impact what materials you can or cannot explore, depending on the kind of 3D printer that you have. Yeah, yeah, that's and 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 PLA is a great material, and and we'll probably come back to that a bunch uh, in this episode too, because it's it really is a useful material. But there are so many choices nowadays, and uh, just making sure that you have the right hardware set up to allow you to print those materials is key. Uh, the 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 first 
basic one is having a heated bed. Uh, that's that's pretty standard these days. You know, you, you used to be able to get away with no heated bed and you could do painter's tape and things like that to get away with it. But, uh, you know, having a heated bed is is really gonna set you apart uh, with, with printing some of the more advanced materials. And frankly speaking, with engineering materials, it's pretty mandatory. So, uh, you know, right off the bat, having a heated bed is, is a huge upgrade. Um, but then, you know, with a lot of those uh, more advanced materials, having an enclosed build chamber, of course, is huge. Um, you know, Jeremy, with all your experience, you absolutely know that this one is, is key. But, you know, really keeping a consistent build volume temperature um, is, is extremely important. Uh, so, you know, if you're considering things like ABS and nylons and things, uh, you, you're going to want to have an enclosed chamber. Yeah, and, and that's all. That's all about the warping, right? That's you know making sure that you know that the parts are sticking really well to the bed all around. Uh, you know those materials have a tendency to really kind of start to curl up at the edges, and 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 having a warm environment will help control that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I kind of think of it as a uh, when you're printing the part, you have this kind of thermal battery that is holding on to that heat, and so you you want uh, you want every all the heat around that part to be as consistent as possible. You don't want that heat to very quickly leave the part while you're still trying to print it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I, I meant yeah. to mention this at the beginning, by the way. You know, obviously, we have you here from Ultimaker. Our discussion is going to be a little bit Ultimaker sort of oriented today, but it's by no means exclusively about people using Ultimaker printers. And that's why we're covering this here, because of course, all of the Ultimaker printers have heated beds and that sort of thing. But, you know, other people watching this might be using other printers that don't. And, and I, I'm hoping that we can educate, you know, a, a wider audience than just our Ultimaker users. So that's that's why we're covering some of this stuff here. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, adding, adding a heated bed uh, aftermarket is something that is uh, a lot of folks are really capable of doing themselves too. So it's a fantastic upgrade if you don't have one. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, the, the Ultimakers do come with those those um, pieces standard. So, and I would um, just to clarify for those who who may be wondering specifically about the distances the differences. I mean, when you do not have a heated bed, you're pretty much limited to PLA and TPU, as far as I'm aware. I mean, there might be some other materials that you can get to stick, but for the most part, those are the two that are going to work effectively. And when you think about this, there, you'll you'll get the impression after today's session. I mean, there are so many other materials. It, it, it's pretty limited. So many. Yeah. So it's yeah. a pretty limiting factor. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, all, all these uh, these three main points here, or four, including the adhesive, they're you know, like Jeremy, like you said, they're not mandatory, but the uh, having them is going to make your your life a lot easier if you're trying to print these more advanced Absolutely. materials. So, yeah. So we yeah. Did, I don't know that we touched on the air filtration, but that would be for yeah. More, more important for some materials than others, right? I mentioned ABS here as one of the mm -hmm. examples that people would probably want to have some filtration for, you know, more absolutely, so, yeah. more so than PLA. So, that'll yeah, be yeah. If you're printing ABS, you're going to want air filtration. If not, you need to exhaust out of the room. Um, yeah. Have good filtration for your room. And then I think we're going to go into to bed adhesives later too. But there's some really, yep, there's some really important reasons to have bed adhesives. But but there there's so many to choose from. Uh, so really picking the right one is, is really important. Yeah. Um, so you, I, you know, you, I don't know if you have any you want to mention, but. Yeah. Uh, so we, well, we, you and I had talked about this a little bit leading up to this. I, so I know yeah. you and I are both kind of fans of the Magigoo adhesives. And, yeah. and we, you know, I'll just mention, we do offer these, the whole line of these at 3D Universe. And we also offer some other adhesives that we've found work well too. But 
I, I got to tell you personally, every day when I go to print, it's Magigoo that I'm grabbing. It's just, that's what works yeah. consistently. And I, I love how it kind of releases the print when it, when the bed cools down, uh, really nice stuff. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and you know, we're, uh, we don't make Magigoo, but we find that it, it's an amazing product. So we just use it. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things about it, other than it, the fact that they're all water soluble, is that it's a liquid form. So when I, when I lay it down on the bed, it self levels, you know, I don't, I don't have ridges from blue stick or anything like that. Uh, and cleanup is, is a breeze. Yeah, so. I agree. And it's what's not, what I find nice is, as you can see on, on the screen, for those of you watching, you got all these different formulations. The original covers a lot of the materials, but then they have special versions yes. for the, the tougher materials. And, and so you, what I like is the combination of that with a simple glass build plate opens up this world of flexibility and reliable printing options across this huge range of materials. It's, it's a great, I, I think it's a great way to print. Yeah, it is. I, one of my favorite ones from Magigoo is their their polypropylene Magigoo yeah. that you're showing here on the screen too. Because yeah. polypropylene doesn't stick to darn near anything. That's right. Uh, so, but using this this polypropylene Magigoo formula, it's it's amazing. I mean, both both release when you're done with the print, but also during print. So absolutely, it's great. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, by all means, use the right adhesive. That's going to be part of the success to whatever material you're choosing. It's certainly gonna be more important as you get into those more advanced materials. So I, I wanna dive in now, cause we've got a lot of ground to cover today. So again, I apologize the fact to the audience if we're, if we're kind of going a little too fast, but there will be a recording of this. But we wanna cover a lot of ground because the whole point here is we wanna give you kind of a taste of what's out there of all these different materials and where you might wanna look at, at, at experimenting with one or, or another of these. So maybe talk about some of the, the general concepts that are going to be involved in the discussion of any material kind of going into this. And you want to kind of take the lead here again, Dylan? Yeah, sure. So when at Ultimaker, whenever we're considering materials, what materials to use, whether they're ours or a third party material, it all comes back to the application requirements, which, which really comes down to what are the thermal loads that it's going to take? What are the mechanical loads it's going to take? And what's the surface finish that you need uh, from that? based on the material you choose, you can choose your adhesives. Uh, and you, you, when you're choosing your material, you should also consider your support compatibility. So if you do need support material, it's important that you choose the right combination of support material and model material. And that's really all it comes down to. Uh, the, the slice settings, at least on an Ultimaker, are very straightforward. Uh, but if you don't have pre-configured pro print profiles, then you know, choosing the material, you're gonna have to go into which, which settings you wanna choose to have a successful print. But it all comes back to the application, really in the end. Absolutely. Okay, so um, I, as I said, you know, we won't talk all about Ultimaker materials today. We're gonna start there. We're gonna talk about the Ultimaker materials portfolio, and we're gonna move past that and talk about some of the very cool third-party materials that are out there. We certainly won't cover all of them, but we'll cover some. Uh, but starting kind of with the Ultimaker stuff, I did wanna talk a little bit about um, you know, we, we do have a lot of Ultimaker customers and I suspect some of them are joining us today. So for those people that do have an Ultimaker uh, machine, the, the ladder models, the, the, the types that have the automatic material detection and some of that, let's talk about some of those benefits a little bit. Let's talk about why would you use Ultimaker materials versus some of the third party options that are out there. And, and again, maybe you can start yeah. us off on that, Dylan. Yeah, sure. I mean, so one reason is if you are a customer that's looking to track your material usage, so the auto detection of what type of material it has just makes the workflow really easy. Uh, so you know the the less time you set you, you the less time you spend setting up your printer, the more time you can spend printing. 
And uh, all of us are trying to create parts and that's what we want to do. So uh, auto detection makes things really easy. It allows you to track the material that you're using so your material consumption. But it also, if you have a pro bundle, for instance, one of our products, if you load two, to two of the same material, it will auto detect. And if one of those materials runs out, the machine knows the other material is located also in the bay and it can just simply auto change over the next material. So that's a huge benefit. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't know that we'll have time to get too much into that today, but I, I would agree with that 100%. There are some extra benefits, let's say, to using the Ultimaker brand material when you are using the Pro Bundle, that's for sure, um, just yep. in terms of how it lets you manage them and recognition of different colors and things like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then a, a huge one is ready to print profiles. So, uh, you know, the, the profiles are already created for the material, uh, it's auto recognized when you load it. And as long as the material is the same that you sliced with, then you're ready to print. Yeah. Uh, so in, in, including, let's add the, those new intent-based profiles, which are really nice for the uh, for the out there that it makes sure you have the latest version of Cura. And with with many of the Ultimaker materials, you're going to see that there's these intent-based profiles. So what are what's most important to you? Visual quality or uh, you know the fit? Is this an engineering part that you need to have exact dimensions and tolerances? Uh, or do you just want to do a quick, you know, draft print for evaluation? They have ready-to-use profiles for each of those scenarios, making it so easy to get your prints set up for different scenarios. Really like that feature. Yeah, it's a great one. Um, yeah, so let's see. And then you also have here on the screen one-click access. Uh, so uh, print guidance and Cura, of course. Um, that's that's a huge portion of it. So. Uh, you know, Kira and Ultimaker products, we're always trying to make things very easy, very seamless. And, uh, you know, th this is a great example of that. So with, with the Ultimaker materials, there's these profiles that you can access through with the guided portion within Kira. So if you have a question about the material, click the question mark and it's going to walk you through everything from nozzles to use or print cores, if you're speaking our language, uh, to, you know, Support compatibility, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. Very nice. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm going to do a little plug here for something uh, related to materials as we talk about um, the sort of the variety that's out there. And this is something that's on Ultimaker.com as well. I'm showing our example here. For those of you familiar with shopping with 3D Universe, you may have noticed that we've made a lot of updates to our filament section because we keep adding. We, we, our, our variety is growing and growing. There's a lot of materials in there. And it can become hard to find what you're looking for. And so we have these filter buttons up at the top, much like what Ultimaker has on their materials page so that you can select all the different properties that you're looking for in a material, whether that be physical properties or the exact type of material that it might be that you're looking for, or in this case, diameter, maybe you only want to see the 2.85 millimeter filaments, that sort of thing. And, and as you select these different filters, it's going to continue to automatically narrow down your selection of what you're seeing based upon what's matching those criteria. So very powerful, makes it much easier to find the type of material that you're looking for amongst the, the, the growing collection that we have there. Yeah, I love that feature. And then, uh, Dylan, I'll let you maybe touch on the marketplace and what that means for all the many, you know, third-party materials that are out there and growing and, and uh, how that makes it easier to use those. Yeah, yeah. very. I mean, very similar in concept to what you showed here. Uh, and so, you know, if you're looking through the Ultimaker marketplace and you can either look for plugins or materials. And so if you're curious about a certain material property uh, or you're 
coming from the standpoint of developing your application and you need a certain type of material, you can filter for those attributes here. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're walking through the grocery store and you're looking for that exact uh, product, this will help search and, and show you the aisle where you need to find it. Um, and, so and, this is a really nice, easy way to do it. And the wonderful thing here is is that that little button up there in the right saying "Add to Cura." So you got a one-click you know, profile that you can add, ready to use with all the settings you need to be effective with that material. So that's a real nice helper. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so just click there, and then that's going to add it to Cura. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so let's uh, let's get into the materials. So start with obviously PLA. This is the one that so many people start with, which is a good idea, I think. Um, what I what I am not as as thrilled about is that a lot of people end up sticking there and and never explore beyond that. But let's let's talk about the PLA and start with kind of the basics. Um, you want to kind of talk us through key features and where would PLA be a good fit, Dylan? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's a good reason why PLA is the most used material for desktop 3D printing. Uh, it's really easy to print. It's also a, it's a pretty great material from a material standpoint. So it's it's fairly it's actually very stiff. It's fairly strong for what it is, and uh, it's inexpensive material. So we'll we'll use it a lot in uh, in the professional sector for printing our prototype version of the final material. So if you are you know interested in getting into new materials, but you have been using PLA for so long and it's nice and inexpensive, you maybe don't want to move away from that. You can still print in PLA and get your object to be uh, how you would like it to be, and then shift over to your you know glass-filled nylons or your uh, you know carbon-filled nylons and things like that and get more advanced. Uh, but but PLA is great for printing fast and uh, you know printing reliably almost no matter what. It's pretty pretty difficult to mess up PLA. Agreed. And I, I would 100% agree with the... Sorry, we're getting a little feedback. Let me adjust my level here a bit. Um, okay. I, I would certainly agree with the you know PLA being all about the visual quality. It's got a great surface quality. I have an example here. I don't know how well this will come across on the camera, but here's a print that I did that has all these tiny little intricate details, like the flower that she's holding and stuff. This was printed on, yes, yeah. on an Ultimaker in PLA. And just, I mean, just really nice detail on on tiny, intricate little uh, geometries like that. That's where I think PLA really shines. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Okay, so let's whoops, let's get into some of the, the my other technical side of it. Um, kind of talk us through this in terms of the, the the details of what PLA can be used with and tips and tricks. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's really great with you know both of our types of model materials. So breakaway or uh, I mean you, you can of course use PLA, but if you have a dual uh, dual material uh, capable printer like the Ultimakers have, uh, then you can use breakaway and PLA or PVA and PLA if you wanted a water soluble uh, print support material. Yeah, and then it's really it's really friendly with all the different print cores too. So you can print things really small with a 0.25 nozzle, like Jeremy was talking about, all the way up to a 0.8. Yeah. And we tend to use 0.8 when we want to print really fast and iterate really quickly, and then we can always switch back down to a 0.4 if we decide to do so. Yeah. And as as far as tips and tricks, cooling is the name of the game. So having good cooling uh, will really help you, especially if you're bridging and things like that. Um, but generally we print with skirt. I don't, I don't know if you use 
any sort of build adhesion tricks with PLA. It's pretty darn friendly. Pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, you don't, really don't need anything yeah. at all. I use Magigo Original just out of habit. You probably would be fine without it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so on we go to Tough PLA, uh, sort of a cousin of PLA that is becoming more and more popular. Talk us through this, the key features. Yeah, so so PLA is a great material. Tough PLA is sort of the uh, impact-resistant cousin of PLA. Um, we, we like to call it an ABS replacement because it really does a lot of what traditionally you would use ABS for when printing products. Um, but Tough PLA is fantastic anytime you have an impact uh, sort of application. So in this case, Volkswagen has this uh, lug nut driving tool and all day long it gets beaten, battered with this tool. Uh, so it's a perfect reason to use Tough PLA. Still it's comes in a bunch of colors like PLA, but you have a, a bit more of that impact resistance. Yeah, not not yeah. as many colors, but yeah, I think you get four colors to make a Tough PLA. And that's that's really it for me. I, tough PLA has become my go-to material. That's kind of my default, yeah. right? Because it's every bit as easy to work with as PLA, but it's stronger and it costs the same. So to me, it's like, well, why wouldn't I use Tough PLA unless I need a specific color because there are more colors in PLA. That's the only reason I go right. to it. Um, these days. So tough PLA, I think is wonderful um, for a base material. Let's talk about what it, you, you mentioned that it's a great replacement for ABS. It's worth mentioning the one thing it doesn't offer that ABS does would be that temperature resistance, right? It still has the lower temperature resistance like PLA. So for example, if you print a part in PLA or tough PLA and you leave it in a hot car on a sunny day, it's going to start to deform. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that, that could yeah, be. Yeah. So definitely for low temperature applications. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so some of the, uh, more of the tech side of Tough PLA, um, pretty similar to PLA, right? In terms of the, the print cores it's compatible with and support materials and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, it's really, I would say that it's it's really the same as far as the approach goes. The one yeah. caveat is that uh, some, some folks will not use any bed adhesion uh, and they have a glass plate, but it's important to use some sort of adhesive on the bed if you have a glass plate because tough PLA will bond so well to the glass that you could you could risk chipping the glass. Uh, so we I've done it a bunch, um, you know, unfortunately. But if you use adhesive like Magigo Original, it'll come right off. Absolutely, good tip. Okay, on we go. So uh, ABS, you just mentioned this. Talk to us about where this would be a good fit. What what are the key features of ABS? So it, ABS, really traditional FDM, FFF material, uh, it, it prints beautifully. So if you're really looking to hide layer lines, ABS is fantastic for that. Uh, the prints are just gorgeous. Uh, it's also really good for functional parts. So uh, you know, a lot of products in our day-to-day -day lives are made with ABS, and it's for a really good reason. So that's right. Um, yeah, yeah if, you want, if you want strong parts, ABS is a great way to go. Yeah, um, I, I like to use the Lego um, analogy. I think Legos are made out of ABS. That's something that a lot of people recognize. It's, it, it is a petroleum-based plastic, right? So it's um, may, maybe not quite as, as environmentally friendly as a PLA, but as, as Dylan said, it has some wonderful printing properties. You really get a nice finish. And one of the things that I really like about ABS is, um, for those of you that want to get a little bit more adventurous, is the ability to post-process using, using acetone yep. vapor. Uh, I, I grabbed a sample here. So this is just a, a 3D print that was done in ABS and then treated with an acetone vapor. And you can't see it too well, but it gets this really nice, glossy, shiny, smooth finish because it basically melts the outer you know, surface of the ABS. So it's a really cool kind of a technique when you're looking really at awesome. that kind of a visual you know, result. 
Yeah, yeah, and if anybody's ever done vapor smoothing, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward process. Uh, and if you're just looking for smooth layer lines, you can also brush it on as well. It's, That's it's, right. You kind of get as creative as you want. So. Absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of the, the, the tech side of dealing with ABS, um, what kinds of print cores and support compatibility are we talking about here? Yeah, so uh, let's see, pretty similar to PLA as far as print core compatibility. You can use all, all the different print core sizes. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're left with using either ABS as the support material or switching over to breakaway if you wanted a really easy removing uh, support material. Mm -hmm. uh, the main thing is, is with ABS, you'd want to use a brim and have uh, an enclosed chamber, ideally, um, and try and minimize the number of sharp corners. So if, if, you're, if you really have a sharp corner that's uh, adhering to the bed, it's, it has a tendency to, to lift and, and warp from the bed. So we found that increasing the brim as much as you can and, and avoiding sharp corners is a good way to go. Yep, that's a good tip. Yep. Uh, all right, so nylon, I'd say this is one of those that maybe is still a little bit less familiar to a typical 3D printing user, I'll, but there's so many cool nylons coming out these days. So let's talk about cool nylons. Yeah. So Ultimaker nylon in particular, this is a special kind of a, a blended nylon, right? Talk to us about that a bit. Yeah, so it's a, it's a PA666. Um, you know, it's just, if you need something that is just tough as nails, then nylon is, is a great way to go. Um, I, I would really much challenge you to break a part that's nylon. It's really pretty unbelievable. I would agree. Uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's really good for uh, you know components where you need low friction too. So if you have two parts sliding together, or you know a common application for nylon is is printed gearing. So um, that's a really really common application. Uh, so you know anything functional. Anything with you know tooling and use parts, we, we use nylon all the time. Yeah, especially uh, when, whenever you have two two or more parts kind of rubbing against each other, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So in the in the the time where you know if you're designing something a PLA, it's still breaking, uh, and you're trying to beef up you know any of the parts to make them larger and stronger, it, it might be a good idea to shift over to nylon and 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 try that print um, with that material. So you do need to dry it. That's an important part. I think that's probably uh, coming up here. But um, drying nylon is extremely important. So uh, yeah, switching over to tips and tricks. I can't say it enough. Dry it every time. So um, store it properly. Even when you buy it brand new, you should dry it. And then uh, and then you're going to have a, a wonderful print experience with it. Um, right. So if you start, yeah. you know, if you're doing a print with nylon and you start seeing, um, you know, a lot of stringing, uh, if you start hearing, you know, pops and fizzles and stuff, those are indications that you've got moisture in the, in the material, right? Yeah, yeah. And it and and hearing that is a, a good reason to, to stop the print, dry the material, uh, you know, other than poor, uh, poor print quality uh, visually. You actually get poor layer adhesion too, right? So uh, by trying that material, you get a stronger part with it as well. Good deal. Yeah. So uh, we, we mentioned that there's different kinds of nylons. You want to kind of talk us about talk to us a bit about the different types of nylons that are out there? Yeah. So you know, it's it it really comes with uh, I guess cost and performance. So uh, PA six and six six, those are common blended nylons. Um, you know, you're going to get a, a bit of the lower cost by having that PA6 framework in there. Uh, and then you'll get some higher temperature resistance by blending in the PA66 as well. 
Um, the 6.6 is also less moisture absorbing, so you'll get some side benefits as well there. And then PA12, of course, is uh, the, the least uh, hygroscopic uh, compared to PA6. So uh, if, if you have an application that it's, it's going to be, you know, in a, in a moist environment, then um, PA12 might be something to consider. I don't know if you have and any And that comes with a bit of a, a, a price premium, right? It does. It does. Yeah. So coming back to the, we always do that at Ultimakers. What is my application requirements that helps yeah. us decide? Um, and, and, you know, at this point it would justify a PA12 if I have a moist environment that I'm in. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to CPE. Um, this is uh, an Ultimaker material. It's a copolyester, and this is—I I feel like it's one of the maybe the, the the less understood materials in the portfolio. So, talk to us about CPE and its key features. Yeah, C CPE. CPE is—it's uh, everywhere. It's a you know very similar to a PET G in a lot of ways. Uh, so you know if you're thinking like a water bottle, uh, you're you're thinking of CPE. Um, it's it's a really great functional material. So if you're making functional prototypes, CPE is a great way to go. But probably the most standout feature is the, the its chemical resistance. So if you're dealing with uh, chemicals, whether it's a component that you're cleaning, um, you know, from time to time in your manufacturing facility, or it is in contact with oils and detergents and things, a CPE won't break down like other materials. So. Yeah. That's a that's a very important point. That's exactly what I think of when I think of CP. I immediately that's yep. the chemical resistance that I, I go to it for. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great way to use it. So in terms of printing CP, any anything noteworthy to mention? Not you know, not really with uh, using Magical Original will uh, will will do just fine with yeah. CPE. It's it's really friendly to print. It's not a difficult material to print. Good deal. Uh, yeah. you can use yeah, and you can use any of the, the support materials too, PVA or breakaway, either one will work for you. Excellent. Okay. And then we have a different version called CPE Plus. So what's the difference with CPE Plus compared to CPE? The, the biggest benefit with CPE Plus is it's higher temperature resistance. So if you need to bump up to 100 degrees C for a heat deflection temperature, then CPE Plus is your way to go. Um, also, if you need optically clear prints that are real, real tough, then CPE plus comes in a transparent uh, or translucent filament. Excellent. Um, same deal printing CPE plus as CP, except I noticed that it doesn't have the PPA compatibility. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. And also doesn't, we don't really recommend using the 0.25 core okay. uh, with the CPE plus. So stick with the 0 0.4, 0 0.8. Uh, and, and again, just magic original will do yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, then we get to TPU95A. So we get into the flexibles here. So, yeah. um, and this is, you know, this is one that a lot of people might be intimidated by because they've heard stories about what a nightmare it can be to print flexible materials, right? So um, talk to us about this material, but specifically, you know, let's note that not all flexibles are created equal, right? So right. this one is interesting because it's, it's kind of designed specifically with Ultimakers in mind, right? Ultimakers are a Bowden tube. It's not a direct drive feed system. And yet, you know, I found these print very reliably. So talk to us about the TPU95A and its, its features and, and uh, where this works well. Yeah, I, I love TPU. TPU is one of my favorite materials. Uh, and, and so with, with 95A, it's still a flexible material, but it's stiff enough, like you said, to be printed with the Bowden system that Ultimakers run on. 
but with it being 95A, we always encourage folks to explore different types of infill and different infill percentages because it can create what we call as an effective durometer. So take this robot gripper, for instance. We have everything from 5% infill to 10 to 30% infill. And the durometer changes based on that, that choice that you've made as a Cura user. Yeah. So you can get a softer feeling TPU part just by changing the infill. That's great. Uh, and it's, it's real tough material. I mean, it's incredible. Um, the, uh, the elongation is, you know, 580% before it breaks. Um, it's really great for impact resistance too, because it is flexible, like, like even a nylon, for instance. Um, and this is again, another material that you want to dry. Yeah. So you really want to dry yeah. TPU. And I don't, I don't remember if we talked, talked about that when we were on the nylon, but there is, so nylon does have a little bit of flexibility. It's certainly it more flexible than PLA, but not nearly as flexible as TPU. So nylon is kind yeah, of like, like a semi-flex and this is a you know, more flexible material. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of printing TPU, um, talk to us about the, the specifics and any tips or tricks. Yeah. So you can, you can use PBA or breakaway, either one will work. Um, the, the, TPU itself can also be used as a support material, and you can uh, you can adjust the Z height or the, excuse me the Z gap between the the support material and the model material, and it really pulls away really nice. Mm. Uh, it's important to use a roof when you do have the infill or excuse me the support that's printed, but you'll get a nice pull away uh, from the support. We generally, if you're running into printing issues after you've checked that the material is dry. We'd recommend increasing the flow rate to 120 percent um, and then you know that's if you're getting under extrusion and then increase your retraction by a millimeter um, and 10 millimeters per second uh, for the for the retraction speed so that'll kind of help with avoiding stringing when you have that increased flow the, the flow is naturally increased actually and even in the standard multimaker profile um, yeah. by, by increasing it to 120 you can get some some really nice results. Um, we love using it with a 0.8 core too. I don't know what core you print with, but I love uh, a single walled 0.8 core with with uh, Ultimaker TPU. Yeah, I do. In fact, I I will mention I was I've been involved uh, for some time in a, a project with a group where we we're designing um, some options for 3D printable uh, mask uh, solutions for to help out the COVID situation and. We started working with TPU, you know, nice flexible mask, and it, it we got some good results yep. with that. But more recently, we've actually been using a, a material that I'll mention um, from ColorFab. They have one called VarioShore TPU, which is a, a TPU mm. that has an active foaming agent in it. So, you know, here's a, a mask that we've printed in this, and it's this really soft kind of foamy material. Um, Cool. Because what happens is when you print it at higher temperatures, this foaming agent activates and it kind of expands. So you actually reduce your flow rate way down to 60 or 65 percent when you wow. print it and then it foams up. And so what's wonderful is that you can you can create lower, um, you know, you can get lower durometers. You can go way below 95A and still it feeds great on an Ultimaker because in its filament form, it's stiff enough. So it's a very cool material for flexible too. I'm gonna to have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, okay, so talk to us a little bit about the different types of flexibles. There's a lot of different, you know, varieties, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so TPU is, uh, you know, on the temperature scale is is lower than what you'd have with like a TPC. So, you know, here for example, uh, TPCs can resist up to 170 degrees C. 
Uh, and then, you know, SEBS um, or TPS, these are, these are uh, more engineering advanced materials. So they, they're not susceptible to moisture like TPU is. Uh, so there's no worries with uh, having to dry them and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and they also just have a higher form of impact resistance uh, and elongation. They're a bit more flexible as well. They're just, a, I'd say they advance up the engineering chain as you go from a TPU to TPC and SEBS. Um, TPC is also a, a bit stiffer too than TPU. Right. Uh, so if you if you are looking for something that is flexible, but but maybe uh, you know doesn't feel like the sole of a sneaker, real soft, uh, you might want to choose a TPC in, in that case. Cool. All right. So polycarbonate. This is uh, another one that I, I really enjoy working with. And I, I feel like a lot of people maybe are, I don't know if they're intimidated by this or, or, or what it is, but talk to us about polycarbonate and what makes this unique. Yeah, so polycarbonate can definitely be a uh, intimidating material. Uh, this is one you certainly want an enclosed build chamber for because um, it does like to warp from the build plate if it doesn't have that consistent temperature. Uh, polycarbonate is incredibly tough. So I, I reference polycarbonate or nylon whenever I'm looking for something really, really strong. Yep. But I, I, don't, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but when I, when I use polycarbonate, it's always if it needs to be strong, but also incredibly stiff. That's right. You know, so if, yeah. So if you have something mounted to a wall or a tool holder or uh, anything that uh, needs to be incredibly stiff, PC is amazing for that. Completely agree. Uh, yeah. And then you also have a sort of a transparent option in the polycarbonate, right? Yep. Yeah, you do. So you can click, you know, you can choose uh, to have a transparent PC. Uh, so, you know, if you need something that's optically clear and you can just post process by wet sanding and buffing the material, mm -hmm. you can get a completely transparent PC print. It's right. also the highest temp Ultimaker material too. So 110 C. Yeah. yeah. Very, very nice. All right. So um, talking about printing polycarbonate, you mentioned this can be a little bit more challenging. So what are some of the considerations here? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, some little extra maintenance on your machine is really important. So making sure to keep the nozzle really clean. Uh, we found that, you know, with the standard brass nozzles, using a brass brush to clean it uh, in order to avoid any burn marks. Um, so PC likes to stick to the nozzle, right, and then deposit onto the print. And so you can get some burn marks in your print. Uh, if, if you're using black PC, there's really no no problem there. But if you do have a transparent PC, then, then that could be the issue. Yeah. Uh, it's worth mentioning then, also that, you know, some people, you know, not everyone will or needs to do this, but you have the option of, of having sort of dedicated print cores or nozzles set aside for each material that you work with. There, there are some benefits of that, you know, just so you're not, you know, worrying about what material was in there before and what are you trying to push through now and all that. It can be kind of helpful if you just have one that's just for polycarbonate, one that's for your nylon and one that's for your, you know, PLA, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have multiple machines, I actually always encourage people to set up their machines in a in a dedicated fashion. So this one prints composites and this one prints flexibles. And right. it's important to have a, a good, clean workflow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and we'll cover infinite material solutions, uh, Aquasys 120 material. But just a quick plug on that material here. It's if you haven't tried Aquasys and you've used uh, other other support materials before that one you should absolutely check out um, if you're going into the higher temperature materials. All right, so polypropylene. This is a, a sort of a newer addition to the Ultimaker portfolio, or at least compared to the others, right? 
Yeah, polypropylene is awesome. Uh, so, you know, if you if you need something that's chemically resistant, uh, polypropylene is a great way to go. Uh, it's also nice and flexible too. Um, so, you know, we we see this used a lot in the food and beverage industry. Uh, we see it used a lot in in medical as well. Um, there's there's really a bunch of different uses for polypropylene. Um, just like nylon, it's it's a bit of a flexible material. So for living hinges, polypropylene is a great way to go. Um, yeah, especially because but, those those hinges, you know, they're going to get you bent back and forth over and over and over again. And with the uh, with the polypropylene, that won't break down over time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a super durable material. Um, yeah. Tips and tricks for this one. Uh, I think we'll go into on the next slide. Um, but, you know, polypropylene can be a bit more difficult to print. So uh, if you set up your process in the right way, though, uh, you, you re really shouldn't have any issues. Um, so same kind of deal. You'd want to avoid sharp corners uh, to minimizing warping. And generally, you know, I don't think it's very rare that I'd ever use 100% infill, but especially for polypropylene, um, you know, try and keep the infill lower uh, just to avoid warping. Um, and then when uh, when printing with the material, you can, of course, use polypropylene as a support. Uh, but Aquasys 120, again, uh, as a higher temperature material, um, Aquasis 120 is really fantastic for for support material. It is. I think, I've, and I think I've got a slide on that, so we'll be talking about that. All Sorry, right. My yep. Alexa is going off here. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's. So you, right. we've touched on some of the support materials here, but I wanted to talk about that specifically because this is really uh, just it's so cool what you can do when you get in, especially with dual extrusion options available. So let's talk a bit about. Uh, support in general. Um, so the different types of supports, you've obviously got the first option, and this is what most people have been used to if they have a sort of an entry-level 3D printer, is just using your build material as supports, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not a bad way to go. It's certainly, it's the fastest way to get your, get your print printed is by using a single extrusion uh, and printing in model, model material for your support material. Uh, you will have lower surface quality from that. That's part of the just part of the game, um, but it's it's not certainly not a bad way to go. Uh, some tips for that, you know, is if you increase your your z your z distance for support, then it's uh, it's going to be easier to remove the support material. And if you decrease it, it'll be a bit more difficult. Uh, but you'd want to do that if you're struggling to get adhesion between those layers. Um, and then, of course, with any support, you can use support roof to get better surface finish. Uh, yep. and, and the same thing goes here for model material. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So then after we use model material, then I, I'd say kind of a middle ground option, we've got breakaway. So what's different about breakaway as opposed to just using whatever material you're printing with? So breakaway is awesome. It's, I feel like it's, a, it's an underutilized material because it... it you know, really, you couldn't find a better name for it than just breakaway because that's what it does. So if you have if you have an open cavity, meaning, uh, you know, you don't have a a cylinder that's in an in internal geometry to the part, and you can't get to the model material, uh, then you wouldn't want to use breakaway, just like you wouldn't want to use model material in that scenario. Uh, but if you have like what's shown here on the screen is you have let's say a bridge section where you can get access to that support material. Breakaway by design will release from the model material very, very easily. But it has a really nice printed finish uh, where, it, where it's 
connected to the material. That's what I was going to mention. That's I think that's a key difference because when you use that yeah. build material for supports, you're, you're going to have a kind of a rough, you know, messy surface where those supports connected. You know, the, the support roof will help, but there's you're still going to have an imperfect surface, and this gives you a much smoother, cleaner surface. Yeah, it does, and and it's important to check, you know, which material is compatible with it. So for for you know, Ultimaker's case, it's PLA, tough PLA, ABS, nylon, CP, and CP plus. So a lot of materials are compatible yeah. Yeah. with breakaway. So more yeah, more than the PVA. Well. So you have more options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then after that, we get into the PVA, the water-soluble sports. So talk to us about uh, where, where that is uh, a good option. Yeah, PVA is huge. Uh, it's, it's a game changer. So if you have a geometry that's really, really complex and is really not suitable for FFF, you can still print it with PVA as support uh, and then just dissolve the PVA in water and um, you can pour it right down your sink and uh, and you're left with your your beautiful print. I mean, yeah, like what Jeremy's showing on the screen is it would be impossible with breakaway or with model material as support, uh, but with PVA, you can easily do that. So it's like you said it's it's uh it's less com it's less compatible with all the materials but pla tough pla nylon and cpe you can print with pva um and you know like tips and tricks that we found for that is printing um printing with with uh the, the least amount of support possible of course because you want to dissolve less material and you can also manually break some of it away before you dunk. That's right. That's a good time saving. And, and it, it's also a, a, a more expensive material. And so another uh, trick is. that another trick that you can use, it depends on your geometry. But again, if you kind of are able to get access to supports, you can use your build material. You can set the extruder one, your build material to print the supports. But then for the support interface, the support roof, set that to PVA. And that way you get the benefits of a nice clean surface. You'd, but you break away all those other supports and then you just have to dissolve a little thin layer of PVA. You don't use nearly as much PVA that way. It doesn't work unless you have kind of a more open geometry, but that's that's sure. another nice tip for people that want to get kind of the best of both, you know. Yeah, that's a really good trick, yeah. Okay, so uh, dual extrusion. You can have all kinds of fun with dual extrusion. So let's talk a, a little bit about the, the different possibilities. What can you do with a dual extrusion printer? You want to talk us through that, Dylan? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the, the three main things we got here. So build and support material, that's that's huge. Uh, so it really, really opens up a lot of possibilities for you. Um, the two different colors, of course, Jeremy's got this awesome example on the screen here. I love that model. Yeah, it's I mean, beautiful. this is this is all printed in one piece all at one time. It just it prints standing up like this. Very cool. Yep. Print. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, no assembly required, right? It's great. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, one that we use a lot in, in industry is combining two different materials. And you can do some really advanced stuff with this. Uh, that's so right. that's a really yeah, great so let, great let's talk about Let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of these advanced dual extrusion possibilities. What, what are some of the things oh, yeah. you can do? Because I hadn't thought of some yes. of these things. This is cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, so and, and uh, you know, our customers really think of a lot of the cool things that we get to work on. Uh, so big credit to a lot of them. So yeah. some of these examples here, you know, like like we mentioned, having just complex geometries uh, with FFF and dual material printing complexity is basically free. Yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, you're free to use whatever geometry you need. Uh, but color coding is a really big uh, use case for it. So uh, I've worked on manufacturing lines where the right side of the manufacturing line has one color and the left side always has another color. So the tools never swap. Um, 
But another really big reason that we've come to is wear indication. So what is cool. when you're, it's super cool. So when you're working on a maintenance line and you're running through your preventative maintenance, you can visually indicate when you have a part that's wearing down. Uh, and and, and, actually, and what I want to make clear to people here, this is because I just learned about this one. I, I think this is so cool because you don't need to do anything special. You don't need to create like special models or anything. You just bring your uh, model into Cura and you can actually set it to print the outer walls with extruder number two instead of one and get that effect. So you don't, you don't have to do anything special to get this effect, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's literally one click. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you get into the more advanced stuff. So uh, this one on the bottom left that we're showing here. Uh, so this is on a manufacturing line where the uh, fixture or excuse me, the tooling needed to be extremely stiff. So we need to use a, a carbon filled nylon, I believe in this case, but what contacts the product needs to be very, very low friction coefficient and uh, you know really good wear resistance. And so that's an IGUS material that's on the exterior portion of the print. So we're, we're combining uh, materials that you wouldn't normally combine, but you're getting the benefits of both of them. Cool. Uh, the next one that's in the bottom, uh, right here in the middle, this is really clever by one of our engineers where the uh, breakaway is used with nylon because they're compatible. Uh, this is a quality fixture here for inspecting labels to make sure that they're straight. And um, they needed to support this open window that's here, but they also wanted to integrate a multicolor uh, text so that they could identify what the fixture is. And breakaway can be used to fill in where that text is, uh, as well as being the support material, but you only remove the support and you leave the breakaway in the font area. So you have uh, a dual, dual color print. Yeah, it's pretty that's neat. Very, very smart, yes. Yeah. And then uh, the bottom right, this one's one of my favorites too. So this is combining hard and soft materials. Uh, we see this on robotic grippers all the time exactly. too. And again, this one was all done in Cura. So this is actually just two cylinders. Yep. And the, the Cura designer here just wanted to remove the top and bottom layers and allow the infill to dictate the durometer of this bushing. So uh, yeah, it's just a pretty cool use case for dual extrusion. It is. And, and it's also a neat, you know, example of something that maybe we'll talk about in another episode when we focus more on the slicing side of things. But the fact that you can yeah. get so many different effects, not just by the material you're choosing, but then there's the whole side of how you set up your print, what kind of infill, not only how much infill, but there's all different infill patterns and so many different slicing settings that will also change the, the results and the quality of that material. There's a lot of variables you can play with, right? Oh, yeah. Tons. So let's move on. You, you touched on some of this before, material handling and storage, more important with some than others. I've got a couple of pictures here that kind of show what happens when a material picks up moisture. Here we have an example of on the left of a material. This is after printing something that had some moisture and you, you can see the, the, the layer lines get kind of sort of messy and kind of jumbled up and you can see a lot of, it almost looks kind of like fuzzy. And then on the right, we see an image of, of the layer lines being nice and clean, very distinct and easily recognizable. And that's what, ha what you expect with a nice, well-dried material. So just a good visual example of what you were talking about before, Dylan, of definitely making sure, especially with your nylons, your PVA, you know, you're more, you know, those, those, those materials that are going to take on moisture more easily. It's especially important. Yep. Um, so we talked, I mentioned stringing before. There's a couple of images on screen here that show like if you start to see a lot of stringing on your prints, 
usually a, a good good sign of moisture. I mean, there's some settings that can help to control stringing, but you know, if you see this, you don't want to go and start cranking up your attraction settings. You want to go and dry that film in right. most cases, right? Yeah, especially if you've printed this model before in the same material and now exactly. you're seeing stringing. Exactly, yeah. that's a great indicator, yep. Uh, okay, so um, a lot of different materials and they all behave differently with regards to moisture. You want to um, just kind of give us a, a bit of an overview of that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really what this comes down to is uh, drying your filament. So if you have a material that is naturally hygroscopic, so it absorbs moisture, uh, you know, PVA is here on the very extreme end because yep. it dissolves in water, right? So uh, if, you're, if your material is leaning towards that side of the spectrum, then uh, you will have drastically improved print results by drying your filament. Absolutely. So anything from TPU, nylons, uh, and PVA, of course, you, you really want to dry the film. Absolutely. And then you, you talked about kind of, you know, drying those, those materials. I'll, we'll mention there are a number of devices out there um, from very affordable units like the Print Dry, which I'll mention we, we do have. And we actually just received their new version. They have a, not like the one shown here, that was their original one. They have a new Print Dry Pro and we have those now. So it's a very cool, very affordable uh, dryer that can handle multiple spools and can actually feed them right to the printer as they're being, you know, so they can be dried while you're using them. Very, very cool solution. And then, of course, there's larger, more industrial class solutions if you need to be able to do this for a whole bunch of spools at once. Um, but uh, certainly drying those materials is, is important. So, um, Dylan, maybe we could just touch here on, you know, we have, the, of course, the new Ultimaker S5 Pro Bundle, which has this material station, very cool accessory. This includes some humidity control, but talk to us about the difference between that and a filament dryer, like what we were just talking about. Yeah, it's a really good point to bring up. So like the print dry, like you mentioned, we have customers that use those. We have them as well. They work fantastic. Uh, and it's it's what we would use to dry the filament, so to prepare it for a print. Uh, same with the more industrial units. It just depends on the volume that you're working with. Yep. Uh, so those are meant to dry the filament, so to prepare them for print. The, the Pro Bundle has the material station that's on the bottom of the printer here, and that's a really great accessory for maintaining the moisture level. So prints take a very, very long time. You know, we can have prints for a couple hours or several days, uh, up to a week, uh, depending on how complex your, your geometries are. And so you want to keep those materials dry and then uh, also be able to hot swap them as well. So if the material runs out, it can switch over to the next material and they're both in that climate controlled chamber. Yeah. So the, the, really the different use cases are preparing for print and maintaining that moisture humidity level. Uh, during print. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So um, we haven't touched on composites yet. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is a composite and what are the different kinds of composites that are out there? So there's, there's a, there's a bunch of different kinds of composites that are increasing every day, it seems like, uh, but really, really common ones are uh, your polyamides. So your nylons with, uh, there you go. That's an awesome one there. Yep. So yeah, nylons with carbon fiber or, or glass fibers. Uh, so to increase stiffness or temperature resistance um, in your nylons, there's also polycarbonates, polypropylenes. Uh, there's there's even uh, impact modified PLA. So for yeah. those PLA lovers out there that want a uh, impact modified PLA, it will print beautifully and just as easy as PLA, yeah. uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be a lot stronger of a material. 
There, there's there's also some cool when uh, when since we're on the PLA there I'll mention there are some cool yeah. materials that like um, metal filled and you know wood infused and uh, you know <clears throat> other types of sort of uh, creative materials shall we say so for example you know here's something this is the color fab bronze fill so it's it's a PLA based material but it's it's filled with a bronze powder and so when it comes off the print bed it's it's hard to see on camera here but you get this very matte finish. But then you throw it into some kind of like a tumbler with a bunch of polishing medium and you, you can end up with a pretty cool bronze sort of a finish yep. on it. Uh, they've got, you know, bronze, they've got, you know, there's a copper one, they've got all different materials you can play with. Um, and of course, if you ever want to print yourself a, a uh, you know, Groot, that's got to be based on a wood material. So, you know, you use <laughs> you wood. so yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun PLA based composite materials. Just wanted to throw that in there because that's kind of a whole category of itself these days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can have a blast with PLA. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then, uh, if you can even go to the industrial side with glass filled polypropylene. So we've printed, uh, uh, low volume injection molding tools with uh, glass fall glass filled polypropylene. Um, so you have that nonstick nature of, of polypropylene, but you get this really strong uh, mold as well. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Everything from fun to functional, you can really get. Yeah. You know, so, so many possibilities. Um, yeah. We've, and we've, we've been adding some of the, some of these uh, recently you'll find um, on our site, we've got a, a from Kimia, we've got their ABS Kevlar and ABS carbon and pet G carbon and just all these really cool combinations. And that, that's what I think is so cool about this and why I was looking forward to this because you invest in a 3D printer once and all these materials keep coming out and it's like, you just keep getting like new capabilities. You know, you don't have to do a thing yeah. to your printer. You just, you know, you've got all these options to choose from and there's more keep coming every day. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, uh, so these composites are filled with some kind of additive. I think you covered this. You're, we've got some pictures on screen here showing what it looks like under a microscope. I don't think we need to spend too yeah. much time on this. So I'll move on. So choosing the right material for your application, this is what it all comes down to, right? You said this at the beginning. So talk to us a bit about, you know, some of the things you should be thinking about in how you go about picking the right material. Yeah, yeah. So we're, so when we're designing an application, we're material agnostic, basically. So we, we really look at what is the primary function of the application. Um, and then, you know, if there's a current product that we're replacing with a printed part, we also reference the current material used. So if it's a plastic cover, uh, then, you know, we don't have to be so concerned that if it was a steel cover or, um, however, speaking of which we have replaced, uh, stainless steel gears with nylon, uh, composite gears and it yeah. works just great. Um, but, but taking those considerations in, so, uh, really generally speaking, primary function of the part. So what, what temperatures is susceptible to, how long does it need to last? Uh, you know, and what material you're replacing or trying to emulate. Um, understanding the forces and loads that go into it uh, is really great, but you don't always know that information. Um, but the, the most that you can define out of the requirements, the better. Uh, so if you're working with electronics, having a material that's ESD compliant, uh, or if it needs to be chemically resistant, there's another avenue there. Um, if you're going to be, you know, close to a lot of water or it's going to be submerged, maybe a nylon six is not the choice for you. Maybe you should choose a different material. There's a, there's a bunch of different uh, requirements that really go into it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this is all about just kind of some of the key considerations. And I think you touched on a lot of these, just some of other categories that you could be thinking about. I don't know if we need to go through all these, but, um, just kind of a laundry list of some of the considerations, right? 
Yeah, I really what I'd say is just focusing on what that requirement is. There's usually a key requirement or, or just a handful of them because like we've noted, there's so many materials now it can get overwhelming. That's right. But, uh, but you know, find confidence in, in you knowing the application. So exactly. it really is important that it needs to be food safe. You just dialed down the list quite a bit. And that's so right. you know which ones you can choose from. And, and that's exactly why we built out the, the both of our sites in that way, where you have those filter yeah. buttons. So it starts with your intent and you just kind of start to zero in on the material by selecting the qualities or the, or the, the uh, sort of physical properties that you're looking for and you'll, and you'll find your way to it. Yeah. So um, mentioned that before, these are what those filters look like, as you can see. So you can select either specific kind of materials you're looking for or specific properties or, you know, something that, uh, you know, things that might be we have flame retardant materials. It could be something that's food safe. There's all kinds of different things. And as you select these filters, at least on, on our site, and I think it's the same on yours, the available filters will start to get grayed out based upon what options are available. So it'll start to narrow down your choices based upon those combinations that are available. So it's just, it's a cool tool, play with it. It's a great way to start to explore and find new materials that you might not have found otherwise. So third party, everything we've talked about so far is mostly, for the most part, we've, we've mentioned a couple of others, but mostly we've talked about Ultimaker materials, but that is a, a fraction of what's out there, right? I mean, there is a massive world of 3D printing materials and growing every day. Um, and one of the things that I love about Ultimaker, I'm just kind of do this kind of plug for you, Dylan, if you don't mind, is that the, <laughs> the program you've built with third parties, I think you've done a great job with this because not only have you made your printers open so that people are welcome to use whatever materials they, they want, but you've built this material alliance program with so many people getting involved now where they've, you've given them these tools that they can develop profiles by going through a very rigorous testing process and kind of dialing in all the different settings just the way they should be for their material. And those are available as a one-click download through the marketplace. I mean, I just that is so powerful to me um, and really opens up just so many more possibilities for people that might not want to figure out how to make a material work, you know, just by figuring out the settings for themselves. So um, pretty pretty powerful stuff. And I, good job on that, guys. Really, really nicely done. Yeah, thanks. So um, as, we're, as we're getting started with those materials, you know, you'll find all of them. You can browse them on the web. There's a materials marketplace that you can go to and browse them there. You can also browse from within Cura. There's a marketplace button in the upper right. And you can always get your technical data sheets and safety data sheets there, as well as your one-click download profiles. So that's a good place to start when you're looking at third-party materials. Got to make the plug here because one of the materials you're going to find in that marketplace is one of ours. We've got our 3D Universe nylon carbon fiber in there. It's been very popular. So it is a nylon 12 based with uh, with the carbon fibers added in there. Prints beautifully. As you can see from the picture, you get, get a gorgeous surface finish. It's just got this wonderful matte finish, kind of sparkly. It's, I just love it. It's really nice. And of course, you get those, those physical uh, properties, benefits, really, really nice, strong, durable uh, part. So love this material. Definitely want to make sure you're using a hardened nozzle when you're printing something like this. Um, so Kimya, one of the brands that has been in the Alliance, and this is one that we brought on recently, so I thought it would be nice to touch on. I, they have so many interesting materials and we've got the yeah. whole catalog. You know, I'm only touching on a couple of examples here, but they, there's, there's some pretty cool options. Have you had a chance to play with any of the Kimya materials, Dylan? 
Yeah, these are great. And and I, I don't know if we brought that up earlier, but it's it is important to note that you do need to use a hardened nozzle with any of these composites. So okay. if you're running abrasive materials, you know, please please make sure to 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 use the uh, the appropriate nozzle. So that's, that's right. That's yeah, I don't key. think we did touch on that. But so if you were to if you were to run some of these materials through a standard brass nozzle, it, it will actually wear down over time because of the you know, taking carbon fiber as an example, those those carbon fibers, they are actually harder than the brass in that nozzle, and so they will oh, yeah. wear down over time. So yeah, use a hardened steel or, or a ruby nozzle like what's on the CC print cores for Ultimaker folks and, uh, and you won't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and these are great. Like the ABS ESDs, those are awesome. Uh, the electronics industry is yep. super useful. So transport trays, uh, also all types of things that, you know, are sensitive components. Um, but I mean, yeah, you have a lot of good examples here on the page too. Yeah. Uh, they also have impact modified PLA. That's right. Um, yeah, the high temperature. Yeah. Yep. A lot of good stuff. So yeah, again, you know, check it out. Um, use those filters. You'll find all sorts of good materials in that collection as well as others. Um, so here's another one. And I'm just, we're just touching on a few kind of highlights here. We're, we're never going to be able to cover everything that's out there, but this is one that right. I'm really excited about. Um, so we, we've got this Bass F Ultrafuse 316L material, and this is really unique stuff. So um, you want to give us kind of an overview of what this is and how it works, Dylan? Yeah, so th this, uh, this is a game-changing material. Uh, you spoke about how, you know, combining PLA with wood and PLA with brass. Uh, so, you know, it's it's uh, it reminds me of that in that this is a, a, a 316L powder um, that is... Uh, that is combined with with a printable filament, uh, so you can print effectively stainless steel on a desktop 3D printer. Yep. So, and uh, we're not we're not talking about the kind of metal parts you know where I showed you before. Like this, this is still go. a PLA yeah. part that's infused with copper, but the copper isn't bonded together. It's the it's really a PLA base. So I this I, I could break this apart like you know not unlike a PLA part. This is entirely right. different, right? This is, you know, being sintered. You're ending up with a solid or, you know, however you designed it, but a, a real metal part here. Yeah, this is a this is a true metal part. So yeah. the, uh, the the thing to keep in mind is the process. So, you know, we're, we're not saying that you can print stainless steel on your desktop printer at home. That's that's not the case. But you print the part and that's a green part and you ship that out to get it sintered and debinded and sintered. Right. Um, and so that, you know, that process is an industrial process where it removes the polymer uh, from from the part and then uh, is sintered to make a real 316L stainless part. Yep. So in the end, you're getting a real metal part, which is and, pretty, pretty wild. And, and we, we make this really easy. We offer spools of this material and we offer processing tickets. So you buy these tickets and each ticket allows you to send in uh, up to a a kilogram of, uh, of of printed green parts, and they will do the debinding and sintering over at DSH and ship those parts back to you. So you don't have to worry about you know finding the right you know partner or getting the right equipment or anything. It's it's all made very easy for you. So any any FDM printer, really any desktop FDM printer that you know has the ability to to print these types of composite materials, you can now make real metal parts. It's pretty exciting. Now it does change the process a bit in terms of your designing and how you're printing because there's some scaling considerations here too. 
when it when it yep. goes through the you know the debinding and sintering process, it's it's going to end up shrinking, and it's it's shrinking in an uneven way. It shrinks differently in different dimensions, and so they give very detailed guidance about exactly how you scale your part before printing, and that's all done easily in Cura. You know, you just do non-uniform scaling and put in the values they give you. It's not hard, but you do have to follow their guidance for how you go about printing these parts so that you get a good result. But it's just I think this is a game changer. Very cool. Okay, so what else we got? You've talked about this one. Here's another really cool material, Aquasys 120. Uh, uh, talk to us about what makes this unique and where this is useful. So Aquasys 120 is, is also a game-changing material. This is great if you're printing a lot of higher temperature materials. So PVA is the water-soluble material that Ultimaker offers, but there's a temperature limit. For PVA. So when you're printing a higher temperature nylon carbon fibers, like what Jeremy was showing earlier, then switching over to Aquasys 120 is a really good way to go. Um, not only is it a really fantastic support material, but it's also water soluble and it's compatible with high temperature materials. Not only that, if you increase the temperature of the water that you're dissolving the Aquasys 120 in to about 60 C, then the dissolve rate is, what is it, 10x from what that is? Yes. It, I mean, it, it dissolves so fast. It, it is, is nice. It's beautiful, yeah. It is nice. So it's, you know, it's a little yeah. bit more, of, it's a more expensive material, but, you know, use it wisely and it can be a lifesaver. It's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, there is a world of materials out there and we were never going to be able to, you know, do much more than scratch the surface. But I think we did a pretty good job of doing that. So I'm, I'm really glad you joined me for this, Dylan. This has, has been uh, a really enjoyable discussion and I hope it has been informative. Um, now, I almost forgot. I, we can't let you go yet. Even though we're running a little bit long, we do have to check in on our comments. I've been in a slide view here, so I haven't been monitoring those as I usually do during the, uh, the uh, discussion. So... We have one comment here uh, saying, I'm thinking about trying to design some accessories to go in my van as I'm converting it to a camper van for road trips. And was wondering, let me switch our view back here, was wondering, um, uh, I was thinking of making some kind of additional snack holder, phone holder, mask holder kind of a thing for the center console. But I'm not sure what material would be best to use for something like that, which could end up sitting in a very hot vehicle on summer days. So which material would be best to 3D print something for car interiors that won't melt or warp in the heat of the summer? So what are your thoughts on that, Dylan? Uh, let's see. Well, you and I could probably list off a bunch of different uses that you could do. Um, if you wanted to stick without using a composite material, then you have some options. So, you know, I'm in Southern California, so the temperatures are pretty moderate here. Uh, but you could use CPE or CP+. Um, you know, CP plus, maybe if you're living in a hotter climate, um, you could also use ABS. ABS is going to withstand that as well. Uh, you would want to stick away from PLA and tough PLA, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, if you wanted to get into the composites realm, just even for the sake of it looking really cool, then a, a nylon carbon fiber would be pretty awesome in a van. It could look uh, good. Especially yeah. if it's a work, you know, if it's a work van, I know on my truck, I have some, some printed nylon carbon fiber parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, even have a, I even have a hitch cover that's nylon carbon Yeah, I don't, fiber. I don't know if we talked about that, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that when you, when you add in the carbon fiber component to the nylon, it actually raises the temperature resistance. Again, oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yep. So. yeah. It's, it's going to make it stiffer. So if you want yep. something flexible, then... Uh, you know, the composite is going to make it a lot stiffer, yep. but yeah, that increases the temperature resistance like crazy. That's great. So, yeah. 
Uh, okay, great. So yeah, I think you gave some good options, and I, I agree completely. I don't think I have anything else to recommend. So um, yeah, I think I okay. think ABS would be a good option. Um, you know, and uh, like you said, some of the composites could be good. Um, you yeah. could even do a SEBS too if you wanted a higher temperature. If, flexible. If you need a little flexible, yeah, definitely, depending yeah. on what you're looking to do, and maybe even get into some of the the dual material possibilities where you have a flexible. Yeah, you that, can combine them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, all kinds of fun possibilities. <laughs> I, I know who I know who this is. So I'll, I'll I'll work with them and we'll we'll have fun with that. Here's awesome. another comment. Um, uh, glass transition temperature is what you're looking for. Point at which plastic softens and starts to melt. If a hypothetical temp of a car on an extreme hot day is 200 Fahrenheit, 93 C, then PET G is close at 180 F, 82 C. ABS, which smells bad and has fumes, is 221 F, 105 C. Polycarbonate is giving different temps here but uh, requires special setups to print usually. So, and he gives a source here from Wikipedia. So this, I, I don't see a question. It looks like he was sharing some very useful information. So I want to yeah, thank Kevin good. for that. That's good information. Don't think there's anything that uh, we can add to that, but thank you for sharing the link and, and some, some good data points there. Uh, so I'm just checking through here. I don't think we have any other comments to answer now. Feel free as always to post comments after the fact or email us. We're happy to answer your questions. Uh, but again, I had a lot of fun with this. I really appreciate you joining me, Dylan, today. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. This is a blast. Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff. And um, as always, there will be a recording out later, um, video and podcast and all that good stuff. And so, just check uh, our 3duniverse.org blog site, as I mentioned at the beginning. Check that uh, graphic in the upper left for 3D Universe Untethered, and you'll find everything you need there. So, I want to thank everyone for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. And I do want to mention, if I may, just plug the next episode in two weeks. I do hope you'll join me. This is going to be one that I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to be doing just kind of a general 3D printing Q and A. Uh, just me and you, the audience, okay? So I want you guys to kind of submit questions in advance and just anything goes, anything that you've run into, anything you're looking to do, any problems you're having trying to get new materials to work or, you know, something you're, you're dealing with with your printer, whatever it is, you can answer, ask your questions and we'll talk through all of that during uh, the session two weeks from today. So that'll be a lot of fun. I hope you all join for that. So uh, awesome. thanks everyone and uh, see you next time. Good night. All right, thank you.